chapter 12 of Old Wells Dug Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcia Payne. Old Wells Dug Out by Thomas Talmage. The Fourth Anniversary. He thanked God and took courage. Acts chapter 28, verse 15. Paul had just come ashore at Putali and was soon to go across the country to Rome to meet, perhaps, a great many trials and perplexities. The Christians at Rome hear that Paul has landed at Putali and is on the way, so they go out to escort him to the city. When he saw them, his heart revived, or, as my text says, he thanked God and took courage. That is descriptive of my own feelings this morning. You may not be aware that this is the anniversary of my settlement as the pastor of this church. Fifty-two times the shuttle has flown, in each flight weaving a week with a golden border of Sabbath. Three hundred and sixty-four times the clock has struck twelve for the noon and twelve for the night. In that time, how many marriage garlands have been twisted, how many graves dug, how many sorrows suffered, how many fortunes won, how many souls lost, how many immortals saved. Four years ago this month, I came to you with chastened spirit, for only the Sabbath before I had delivered my valedictory sermon in Philadelphia and the sharp laceration of soul which I felt that Sabbath night as, standing at the foot of the pulpit, I bade farewell to long-tried friends, many of them my own children in the gospel, can be appreciated only by those who have gone through the same process. Coming here, I found strangers in both boards of the church, and a building almost empty. Still, my heart failed not for I was sure that God had called me to the work, and, however weak a man may feel in himself, he is strong while leaning against the throne of the Lord Almighty. Instead of standing among strangers today, I look off upon familiar faces, and upon those with whom I have been taking sweet counsel, and those whom I know are remembering me day by day in their prayers so I shall address them this morning as one large Christian family. I have thought that in this, my anniversary sermon, it might be well if I should tell you what, by the help of God, I have been trying to do in this congregation. In the first place, I remark, I have been trying to win your confidence and love, not by sycophancy or by the consultation of your prejudices, but by preaching a straightforward gospel, regardless as to where it hit. A minister living amidst people who do not believe in him cannot be useful. When a congregation wish that their pastor would be called to some other position, he really has a call to go. When they have the idea that he is influenced by selfish and worldly motives, his usefulness is done and he as really has a call to go as he had a call to come. There are churches being depleted 
and blasted by a ministry not adapted to them a minister has no more right to kill a church than a church has a right to kill a minister i know a man who professes to be a minister of christ who is in his third settlement the two previous churches that he served have come to extinction as the result of that ministry and there is not much prospect that the third will long survive while on the other hand there are ministers of christ who have for thirty and forty years stood in the same places and the tie of affection and confidence between pastor and people has all the time strengthened a good many years ago a lad fifteen years of age heard in england john flavel preach from the text if any man love not our lord jesus christ let him be anathema maranatha the lad grew up came to this country and lived to be one hundred years of age not having found christ one day he stood in the field and the memory of that sermon of john flavel crossed his mind and the thought of how that minister of christ at the close of the service said how can i pronounce the benediction when there may be some here who love not the lord jesus christ and are anathema maranatha the remembrance of that minister brought the old man to christ at one hundred years of age and eighty-five years after he had heard that gospel sermon oh it is a grand thing to preach earnestly faithfully and successfully this glorious gospel now let me be frank and say to you my dear people that i have tried to win your confidence and your deep sympathy in my christian work if you have seen in me many shortcomings be aware of the fact that i have had a deeper realization of them than you possibly could have had and i am here to say that you have given me more than i deserve and that your kindness through the last four years has made my ministry in this place an undisturbed satisfaction i remark again i have tried in my ministry during the last year and the past four years to create amidst this people christian sociality there are churches that are arctic seas iceberg grinding against iceberg the attendants upon them come as men come into the ferry boat sitting down beside each other no nod of recognition no hand grasping of fellowship no throb of brotherly or sisterly affection they come in they sit down they go out from saturday to monday morning they are ferried over by christian ordinances and that is all there is of it now my dear brother if you are cold and hard and selfish then the higher the wall you build around your soul the better you would do well to be exclusive but if there is in you anything kind anything lovely anything noble anything useful let it shine out suppose a vessel were driven on the rocks and while fifty people were struggling on the surf one man gets safely to the beach and runs up to the fisherman's hut and sits down and warms himself regardless of those who are still struggling in the water what a cruel thing that would be how much better like the survivors of the atlantic shipwreck toiling with both hands until the left hand gave out and until the right hand gave out and then with their teeth seizing the clothing of the suffering ones and pulling them ashore 
and what do you suppose god thinks of us if having escaped from the floods of sin and darkness and death we are culturing an unchristian selfishness while there are hundreds and thousands all around about us still struggling in the wave i say let us have a kindly sympathy and helpfulness toward those who are all around us every church was intended by god to be a large family circle of fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters what kind of a family circle would that be where the brothers did not recognize each other and the parents were characterized by frigidity and heartlessness sons and daughters of god have you no higher appreciation of the larger christian brotherhood in which you are gathered in churches who is that that used to sit before you in the tabernacle do not know who is that that used to sit at your right hand and at your left hand do not know you ought to have known it is a sin not to be acquainted with those who sit by us in the house of god year after year do not stand upon the formalities of society in the name of christ i declare to you the privilege of giving the right hand of fellowship to every one who comes to the same church we have tried to culture this christian sociality in the sociable much has already been accomplished and when our new church shall be built we will put our hand more earnestly to the work the church sociable ought to be the most cheerful of all places let there be in it a time to laugh do not with long faces overshadow the young people you go to church and to the prayer meeting to worship then worship and have nothing but worship you go to the sociable then have nothing but sociality yet there are church reunions so entirely formal that the liveliest thing in all the evening is the long metered doxology be cheerful be kind be sympathetic with all with whom you are associated if fish go in schools and if sheep go in flocks and if flowers go in tribes and if stars swing in galaxies then let all those who worship in the same church move together in loving and shining bands behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity again i have tried in this church to preach an everyday religion the vast majority of my congregation are in business life it would have been absurd for me to talk about abstract trials when i saw by the paper that gold was going down and men were losing their fortunes we must bring a gospel comfort just suited to the condition of the people to whom we preach here is a physician who comes into a sick room where there is a case of diphtheria does he apply to it the medicines for cholera or yellow fever or marinassus no no it is a specific for diphtheria and if we want to make the gospel successful in the hearts of men in the way of comfort we must bring that particular phase of it which is thoroughly adapted to the case so i have from time to time tried to bring you a gospel that would be appropriate in wall street and in broadway and in scatterhorn street and in montague street it is a simple fact that there are but few men who take the comforts of religion into their business you get sick or a member of your family dies and you say send for the minister but suppose you are in a business corner suppose the sheriff is after you 
suppose your best friend betrays you suppose there are three or four men in the front office with duns for debts that you cannot meet suppose that you can no more sleep at night than if you were on the top of a mast in a mediterranean hurricane suppose with flushed cheek you walk the floor nights your head aching as though it would split open why then do you not send for religious consolation no you do not you send for some poor miserable skinflint and ask him if he will lend you a thousand dollars at two per cent a month and he will not do it you go to a friend you helped in time of trouble and want to get his name on your note and he will not give it and in utter despair and wild with trouble you say if it were not for my wife and children i would jump off the dock i remember a man who in eighteen fifty seven helped a dozen people through the financial straits he loaned a thousand dollars here and five thousand there and ten thousand there and took his friends to the bank and allowed them to go on his credit and help them through five years after his trial came where were those old friends gone or if they came into his store it was only to say god bless you forgetful of the fact that one ounce of pure financial help at that time would have been worth fifty tons of god bless you's instead of going at such a time to worldly resources why did you not go to god why did you not lock the door of your private office and get down on your knees and say o lord thou seest my business trouble there is that note at the bank i have no money to meet it there is my rent it has become due what shall i do about it there are my unsellable goods at the warehouse lord jesus help me out of this trouble god would have done it as certainly as he sits upon the throne and offers help to men who want it you did not go for it and you did not get it if you have made your religion do that it would have been worth something your religion instead of being a robe to wrap around you and keep you warm in the chill blasts of trial has been merely a string of beads around your neck very beautiful to look at and that is all in the last panic in new york amidst all the excitement there was a man found in wall street in his back office with a loaded pistol lying on the table where he was writing a farewell letter to his family what did the man most need was it the counsel of the brokers the help of the note shavers no he wanted the comfort and peace of christ's religion i have seen a man in a business strait go through sustained by the grace of god by disaster in one night his fortune all went when i saw him before he was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars now he was not worth a farthing yet he was counting up his heavenly treasures if god had knocked out the bottom of his earthly fortunes the bottom was found to be the top of the chest in which are the jewels of heaven and if his riches took wing and flew away in their flight they met the ravens of god coming down to hungry elijah that man today on a salary of ten hundred dollars as a clerk in the same store over which he had presided with great dignity is happier than henry the eighth was on the day when anne bolin came to the palace 
that napoleon the third at the time of his coronation than any man who trusts in the wealth or honor of this world for his chief satisfaction i expect the day will come when i can set the consolations of that gospel on your counting-room desk under its light the bank protests and the letter of angry creditors reading like the full title deed to the thrones and principalities of heaven this is what i call an everyday religion again i have tried in these four years in which i have been your pastor to dispel the conventionalities of the church there is a tendency among christian people to walk in religious things on ecclesiastical stilts instead of coming down upon a plain common-sense level how few people talk religion they whine about it what charm is there for a wide-awake warm-hearted enthusiastic man amid the cold formalities of the church of god he sees through them he sees they are a sham friday morning you go into a merchant's store and buy a bill of hosiery how his face lights up how cheerful he is how fascinating he is while he is selling the bill of goods you go away saying that is one of the most agreeable men i ever met in my life that very friday evening you go into the prayer meeting where that same christian merchant worships and you find him getting up and recommending the religion of jesus christ with a funeral countenance and a doleful phraseology enough to make an undertaker burst into tears how few people there are who talk cheerfully about the religion of jesus in other words that man of whom i spoke had more exhilaration when he was selling a bill of goods than in recommending the religion which makes all heaven ring with the anthems of the free now ought that so to be how many are driven from the doors of the churches by the simple reason that they do not want such a repulsive religion they are afraid to shake hands with the christian man lest they shall be religiously assaulted i remember very well how it was when i was a boy i laid one hour and a half under the raspberry bushes in the garden to escape from the minister and the elder who came to my father's house on a family visit and my father came out on the back steps and cried dewitt where are you dewitt made no answer ought our religion to repel or attract my little child four years old said to her mother ma ma i saw in a book a picture of a man and a picture of god and the man looked awfully frightened because he saw god now she says if i had been there and god had come in i would not have been frightened i would have gone right up and put my arms around his neck and kissed him well i thought that was pretty good theology in other words religion ought to invite our caresses instead of driving the world howling away as though it were something disagreeable repulsive and to be hated again i have in these four years in which i have ministered to you tried to preach a gospel of comfort to the bereaved this is the most delicate work to which the preacher is ever called if you do not know how to treat a wound you had better not touch it how many people come to the wounds of the soul with a spiritual quackery and they irritate and poison the wounds instead of cure it may require no great skill to take a sloop across the north river 
but it does, to engineer a steamship across the Atlantic. And there may be no great skill required to heal a little sorrow of the soul, but to take one through the storms and tossing seas of tribulation and trial does require some tact and ingenuity and a special grace. I do not suppose that in the four years in which I have ministered to you, a single family has escaped bereavement, if not in your immediate circle, then in a near circle. Oh, how many households have been broken up by bereavement since I came among you. From most other sorrows you can run away, you can go home, but how if a part of the home itself is gone? Then it is not so easy. Then everything reminds you of your loss. Suppose you should sit down at a piano, put a piece of music on the rack, then put your foot on the pedal and your fingers on the keys. The music would start off magnificently, but suppose you struck one key and the chord did not respond because it was broken. Why, that ruins the entire accompaniment. Well, sometimes in life you have been going on in great joy and hilarity. Then suddenly you have thought of a voice, just one voice, that has been hushed, of one heart that is still, and the silent key spoiled all the music. Oh, if we could all die together, if we could keep the lambs and the sheep of our family flock all together until some bright spring day, the birds a chant, the water a glitter, and then we together could hear the voice of the good shepherd, and we could all go through the flood hand in hand. If we only knew when we were to die, and we could gather our family and say, Now Jesus calls us, and we must away. And then we could put our little ones in the bed, and straighten out their limbs and say, Sleep now, the last sleep. And then we could go to our own couches and lie down and say, Master, we are all ready. The children have gone, and we are ready. But it is not that way. It is one by one, one by one. It may be in midwinter, and the snow comes down twenty inches deep above our fresh grave, or it may be in the dark, damp, chill March midnight, or it may be in a hotel, our arm too weak to pull the bell for help, or it may be so suddenly we cannot say goodbye. Oh, death is bitter, a racking, tremendous curse. The apple that our first parents plucked from the forbidden tree had in it two black seeds, one called sin and the other called death. But I bless God that I have been able during these four years to preach to you resurrection hope. A gale from heaven has blown off the white caps of the billow of sorrow, and the feet of Christ have trampled the waves to a level until over the glittering floor of the hushed waters have marched all the consolations of God, troop by troop. Oh, weep no more, your comfort slain. The Lord is risen, he lives again. So now I take the harp of gospel comfort and play three tunes. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That is one. All things work together for good to those who love God. That is two. 
and the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall lead them to living fountains of water and god shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and that is the third above all during the past year i have tried to present to you christ the only savior from sin and death and hell i have tried to show you that unless a man be born again he cannot get into heaven if there be any truth about god or christ or death or judgment or heaven or hell that i have not presented i wish you would let me know what it is that now i may declare it i have tried to show you that religion was an indispensable thing not a mere adornment but something that you must have or die i know that truth is not always considered popular at this day but somehow people have continued to come and hear it i feel it is a vital truth of christianity believe in christ and be saved refuse him and die christ has been so lovely to me that i want all the world to love him and i have with all the types and figures of god's word that i could find presented this jesus to you and i am glad to know that many of you have accepted the offer the angels of god have not stopped singing harvest home there are scores and scores of souls who during this past year have entered the church on earth prepared as i trust for the church in heaven now the year is gone if you have neglected any duty or if i have neglected any duty it is neglected forever each year has its work if we do not do the work during that year we never do it the year has been to me one of great happiness the happiest year of my ministry and the happiest year of my life the great calamity that put our tabernacle in ashes has under the good hand of god been the best blessing that possibly could have come to us i think we all feel that it has consolidated us as nothing could have done and it has gathered the sympathy and the good feeling of christians of all denominations in this country and from the other side of the seas and it has shown me that in this church there is a great band of christian men and women who will stop at no self-denial and who will be afraid of no hard work that is to be endured for christ the success of the recent effort made in another room in this building is significant in that and the masons have already begun the foundations of a grand glorious free christian church while the best men and the best newspapers in this land are in sympathy with us you know very well that there are some who are not in sympathy with the work done by this church they do not understand it and never will in proportion as you are faithful will you be abused in other words the faster a ship goes the more angrily will the waters boil so there are some secular and religious newspapers of this day that are full of spite and full of venom you say that you do not understand it there is no mystery to me about it it is natural it is the history of the church of god all the world over in all ages i feel that our church is on the right track and i defy all earth and hell for if god be for us who can be against us if god spared not his son but gave him up for us shall he not with him also freely give us all things 
i am persuaded that neither height nor depth nor length nor breadth shall separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord our church will go up and christ will appear in it and he will save thousands and thousands of souls i see it coming and i am in exultation at the prospect we enter now upon another year it will be an eventful year you and i may not live to see its close for god can spare you and me and ten thousand better persons than we are and still carry on his work but his church will be prospered having risen up as you have to the work of giving the gospel to the masses of brooklyn nothing can put you to confusion we need no pillar of cloud by day to lead us for god's angels are sworn to defend us and success in the future is as certain as though on that wall i saw coming out in letters of fire while i speak lo i am with you alway even unto the end of the world i will live to see the completion of the work undertaken i know if god calls me before that time he will let me come out on the battlements of heaven and look off on the establishment of that work for which my soul longed roll on sweet days of the world's emancipation when the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the wood shall clap their hands and instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree and it shall be to the lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off End of chapter 12 reading by marcia payne